Good morning. Good Friday. Not only good Friday morning, but it is a morning that is good Friday. This is Peter John, you on this special anointed day of the Lord are tuned in to Rogue Grace. And whether you are getting ready to come to service here at the Applegate Christian Fellowship at noon for our Good Friday service, or perhaps you were not able to get off work, maybe right now you're driving the kids somewhere, I want you to know that it is finished. Everything that you're looking for to validate your existence, to legitimize who you are as a human being, to recognize that you are a Christian, all of that is finished. Praise be to God for giving us his son so that we might be able to say it is done. Right? We do have a Good Friday service here at the ACF at noon where we will remember the work of the cross. We will keep in mind what Jesus did for us, for you and I, 2,000 years ago. And why that means this is a good Friday. So come on out to the sanctuary, to the church at noon. We'd love to have you join us for our Good Friday service, about an hour long, but to remember what Jesus has done for us. And then, of course, on Easter, we have our service in the amphitheater. It's going to be a beautiful Sunday morning, right? I don't care what they say on the weather report. The fact that Jesus is risen makes it a beautiful day. So come join us for our Easter celebration that Jesus is risen from the dead. On this Good Friday, I want to look at the words that Jesus shared with his disciples. A few of those words that he shared on that last night, what we had experienced yesterday, but that Monday, Thursday conversation he had with them and how it pertains to Good Friday, Silent Saturday, Easter Sunday. Jesus was in the room with his disciples, that upper room in Jerusalem, where they were sharing that communion, what we call 
the Lord's Supper together. He was transitioning the Passover that they had all grown up with into that communion experience. And you read about that last supper that Jesus shared with his disciples. And while everything is explained about the elements, they had the bread, they had the wine, they even had the hyssop. There's no mention of a lamb. I'm not saying there wasn't one that was there to be consumed, that had not been roasted, that wasn't on the table. But it never does mention that there was one. Interesting, isn't it? In all of the Gospels, in that Last Supper, there's never the mention of that roasted lamb that was always present for any Passover meal. And the absence of that lamb is imperative because Jesus Christ became the lamb. That's what it says to us. But during that meal, he's having a conversation with his disciples in the Gospel of John. He's having his final words to them before he's going to go to the cross. And he had washed their feet, and now he says to them, A little while you will see me no longer. And again, in a little while you will see me. So he's calling his shot. In a little while you won't see me, and then again in a little while you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while you will not see me, and again a little while you will see me because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does this mean a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. And Jesus knew they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves, what it means by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again, a little while and you will see me? Truly I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Oh, praise God. Jesus, you're worthy on this Good Friday. You took the sorrow of your disciples and turned that sorrow into joy. You didn't replace the sorrow with joy. You transformed the sorrow into joy. Only the Lord can take what is sorrow and create something from that. Only the Lord can take a land mass where there is darkness and create light, where there's just solid sea and cause there to be land. Only the Lord can take where there was sorrow and make that joy. And I don't know what sorrow you have on this March mid-morning and afternoon. I don't know. 
you have a sorrow. It might be with your kids. It might be in your body. It might be in your marriage or your future or your past. But that very sorrow will be turned into joy. Not replaced by something else. Now, how could Jesus say these things and that it was beneficial for him to go away from these disciples? Because in that same passage, he says three things. They're in John. He will convict the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Now, I'm thankful that Jesus didn't leave it at that, but went on to explain something. He went on to explain it so we don't misunderstand. And it's not what you might or I might initially assume when he says the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin of righteousness and judgment. When we get back, perhaps this might be a curveball. I hope that you're blessed as we really think about and consider, for some of us discover what Jesus meant when he said that he must leave and the Holy Spirit will convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Though the earth cried out for blood, satisfied her hunger was. Billows combed on raging seas for the souls of men she craved. Sun and moon from balcony turned their head in disbelief. Precious love would taste the sting, disfigured and disdained. And for our day of thief, on Sunday. Born of the sleep, the 
Praise be to your name. That no matter what we're facing as your people, your sons and your daughters, some of us are sick. Some of us are anxious. Some of us are lonely. The fact is, one day we will be with you healed. One day we will be with you at perfect peace. One day we will be with you, no longer alone, because you have done just what we heard. You laid death in its grave. You are the first and the last, the everlasting Lord and God. On this Good Friday, we remember that. Jesus said to his disciples just before he was arrested, We touched on this last segment. Jesus said to them, If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So, We mentioned last segment, Jesus in this last conversation he has before he is going to the cross, said to his disciples, I am leaving, but I am sending the Holy Spirit for these three things, to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. But he doesn't leave it at that. He goes on to say in the next sentence, concerning Sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So I want to focus on those three things this morning, this Good Friday. I'm thankful that Jesus didn't leave it just at the Holy Spirit will come and convict the world of sin righteousness, and judgment, but he went on to explain it so we don't misunderstand what that means. First, he says, the Holy Spirit, the helper, he is going to come to convict the world of sin. What sin is that? Is he convicting me and convicting you? No, he's convicting the world of sin, and he explains, because they do not believe in me. It is one sin, singular, they do not believe in me. There is not the Holy Spirit nagging and convicting because you did this wrong and that is sin. 
you know, it's hard to live with a nagger. <laughs> now, if you're a husband, don't say amen. If your wife is in the car. It's hard to live with a fault finder, ladies. And I wonder how often we mistreat the Holy Spirit as a nagger or a fault finder when the only one sin he convicts the world of is because Jesus says, point blank, they do not believe in me. Now, he convicts the second thing is not only of sin, but of righteousness. First, for a a world that doesn't believe in Jesus, but then righteousness. Why? Because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Now, what does that mean that he convicts us of righteousness? He convicts you He reminds you, in my opinion, what Jesus is saying here is the Holy Spirit is convicting you, reminding you, reassuring you of your righteous standing. Why? Because Jesus explains it. Because I go to the Father. (laughs) That's your assurance. And the Holy Spirit is saying, see, you are righteous. First, he convicts the world of sin. You need a savior. Then he convicts us of righteousness, saying, Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father. And the only way one can go to hell is not because of sins that they do or going to bad movies or stealing, but one rejecting, neglecting, walking away from having the Holy Spirit say, you are righteous. He convicts you of this righteousness. It's beautiful to be convicted of righteousness. How often do you hear people say that? Oh, yes, the Holy Spirit convicted me. Yeah? Yeah, he convicted me of this sin, that issue. How often do you hear anybody say, oh yeah, he convicted me of righteousness, that I am righteous. (laughs) That's what I want. Thank you, Lord. Say you uh, got in an argument with your spouse as you were driving. You say things that you regret, regret. That very moment, the Holy Spirit is saying, Son or daughter, I still love you. You are righteous in my eyes. And you know what you can say then? I am righteous. (laughs) Not through how good of a spouse I am or the pastor I am or the person I am, but what Jesus has done. Oh man, this is good news. Wow. He convicts us how righteous we are. Because he has gone to the Father. He convicts the world of sin because they do not believe in him. And he convicts, lastly, of judgment. Why? Because the ruler of this world is judged. God 
is not going to crush you and judge you. He crushed and judged the devil, Jesus says. So notice these three beautiful statements. If he didn't explain them, we might think them otherwise, but he explains what he means when he says, I must leave you because the Holy Spirit will be sent. And when he is sent, he will convict the world of righteousness, judgment, and sin. And Jesus explains just what that means. Sin because you did not believe in me. Not the Holy Spirit convicting me of every sin in any given day. Of righteousness, because I've gone to my Father. He's convicting you that you are righteous. And judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged, not you, not me. I'm glad Jesus explained it this way. Thank you, Jesus, for your commentary on that verse. (laughs) Thank you. Of judgment. If Jesus hadn't explained it, we might interpret that to be about us. But no, it's not your judgment. It's that the devil is judged. You know what that means? Jesus is reminding us the devil isn't what he used to be. (laughs) He's been judged. He's been stomped on. Jesus Christ has won the victory. That's why you are righteous. Because of those three things that he stated in these final words to his disciples. Because he, the Holy Spirit, has convicted the world of sin to believe in Jesus. He's convicted us of righteousness, that is, Jesus is with the Father. We are righteous. That's what he says. I'm not just making this up. I'm telling you what Jesus says. And finally, concerning judgment, because not you are judged, not I am judged, but the ruler of this world is judged. Praise be to our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ.
these last words of Jesus to his disciples in that upper room when he says, the helper will come to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. In last segment, we considered what those three things are, that they're not as we might assume them to be, only because Jesus went on in the next verse to explain them, that he convicts the world of sin, the Holy Spirit does, because they do not believe. Not convicting us of sin, but those that do not believe. Concerning righteousness, he convicts because I go to the Father. He's convicting you and I that we are righteous, for he is at the right hand of the Father, Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit, thirdly, convicts of judgment. Not that we're going to be judged, but because the ruler of this world is judged. So he convicts, but in an entirely different way than either we assume or we preach or we've read too often, in my opinion. (laughs) 
God is not out as a Christian to catch you doing wrong. God's spirit is the one that affirms you that you are right. The devil is the one who accuses you. He can even impersonate the Holy Spirit like an angel of light, we are told. But anything that condemns you, anything that condemns you is not of the Lord. For there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Now, if you do wrong, the Lord's Spirit is there to show you a way out, but He doesn't kick you out. He lifts you up. If you're feeling kicked out, pushed away, that is not the Lord. Now, as a dad or a mom, if that's if you have kids at home, this is really practical for us to follow the example of the Lord. As parents, what do I mean? Listen, here's my word of advice. Don't catch your kids doing wrong. Catch your kids doing right. So often as dads and moms, it might be our inclination to catch our kids doing wrong. Always correcting, annoyed, they're under our skin, they've pushed us to the limit. All right, I understand, I've got four kids. But what does God do with us as our Father? Through the Holy Spirit, He doesn't catch us doing wrong. Oh, if we do wrong, He is there to show us a way out. But He catches us doing right. Be like the Holy Spirit as a dad and as a mom. Be an affirmer, an encourager, not a convictor. See, imagine if the report card comes home, right? From your kiddo. And there's straight A's on the report card. A, 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 C. All A's and one C. What is some of our, most of our, tendency not to look at all the A's we say what's that C doing there and then we wonder why our kids don't enjoy being hanging out with us <laughs> because nobody likes being with a fault finder now we're to correct them but remember what I said a couple segments ago as a dad as a mom if we're going to follow the example of whom Jesus is referring to as our helper. Don't always be focusing on what your kids are doing wrong and talking to them about that, but what they are doing right. Convict them of righteousness, as Jesus calls it. No one wants to live with a fault finder. I'm just talking to myself, by the way, as well. So don't think I'm talking from some kind of ivory tower here. 
but convict your kids of righteousness. That is, don't focus on the one C. If Jesus does that to me, I'm toast. Focus on the A's. Catch them doing right. Catch them doing right, not always catching them doing wrong. That's just my little word of advice that I still need to learn from and take of just as much as any other guy. But more importantly than a word of advice, which that was, more importantly than that, way more to me, is that that's how God treats us as our Heavenly Father in those final words of Jesus before he went to the cross. Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Life up from the dead. 
On this Good Friday, as we enter into the afternoon, I want you to consider this with me, if you should so choose. I want you to consider that on the cross, in his agony, as he was dying of crucifixion, As you know, he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus was forsaken by God. Here's what I want us to remember and to celebrate and worship him for. On the cross, That's the only time we read Jesus calls the Father God, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why? On the cross, he called his Father God so that now I can call God my Father. He went on cursed ground that I might be lifted up. So that now I don't just know him as God, but also as Father. Why? Because on the cross, Jesus didn't cry out, Father, Father, but my God, my God, so that now we, on this Good Friday, in the midst of our struggles, when we feel as though we're hanging, we can cry, my Father, my Father. Jesus took everything I deserved when he was crucified. So now I can choose to believe that I can take everything that Jesus deserves. So, as we head into the Easter weekend, here's my challenge. It's a good one. And that is, it's encouraging. Say, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling condemned, if you're feeling ashamed, say this. This week, what does Jesus deserve? (laughs) Because this week, I will get what Jesus deserves. That's why it's called Good News. the hill of Calvary, my Savior went courageously, and there he bled and died for me, hallelujah, for the cross, 
And on that day the world was changed A final perfect lamb was slain Let earth and heaven now proclaim Hallelujah for the cross Hallelujah for the war he fought Love has won, death has lost the souls he bought Hallelujah for the cross What good I've done could never save My debt too great for deeds to pay But God my Savior made a way Hallelujah for the cross A slave to sin was bound, but all my chains fell to the ground, when Jesus' blood came flowing down, hallelujah for the cross, hallelujah for the war he fought, love has won, death has lost, hallelujah for the souls he This hope will guide me into death Hallelujah for the cross Hallelujah for the war he fought Love has won, death has lost Hallelujah for the souls he bought Hallelujah for the cross Welcome back. I'm very glad that Scott didn't turn on the mic about five seconds earlier because I was singing at the top of my lungs. <laughs> you are very glad. We too. got it recorded, so don't <laughs> no! worry. No! <laughs> For everyone's benefit, no! Oh. Those who preach grace respect the law. See, maybe when we're talking about grace day by day, every day, as far as I'm concerned, people assume wrongly that we are diminishing the law. No, it's those of us that preach grace are the ones that esteem it highly. So highly because we know we cannot keep it. That was the purpose God gave it. 
not to make me righteous, but to bring me to grace. Why don't Christians get it? D do you? I do. Don't be worrying and analyzing yourself. I'm talking to myself, by the way. Worrying cannot increase your years. <laughs> In fact, it's just the opposite. It takes your years. Worrying does not strengthen your body. In fact, it weakens the body. Worrying is like sitting in the car and you're hitting the gas pedal. Pedal to the metal. But the car is still in park. You're wanting to go, but it's still in neutral. The only way to make progress is not to be worrying, but to get it into the gear of faith. And say, God the work is finished and you love me and your love endures forever. On this Good Friday, that is the message you need to hear. So do I. That the work is accomplished. Can I even say this? Christian, you're good. I get to say that right now. You're good. You're not just on your way. You're not simply on the path. You're good. How good? As good as it gets. As good as Christ Jesus, our Lord. Who gets the credit? Not you. Not me. He does. Looking forward to seeing you in an hour and 10 minutes for our Good Friday service. May you enjoy the grace and the peace. The peace and the grace that comes to us through our Savior who laid down his life on our behalf. See you on Easter for he is risen. <laughs>